both here and at home and on our deck and wherever we might be. Let your spirit pour into us now to receive your word. And people from every location said together, Amen. So Nehemiah is teaching us some valuable lessons on rebuilding. We have seen him as he got started right our first week. Then he went to Jerusalem to build a team among his rebuilders. And we've just left as the people answered his call to arms with their rallying cry, Let us rise up and rebuild. The people were setting their hands to work. And the wall was starting to go up. And when you look at chapter 3, it really makes you want to skip it. To just skip it. Yeah, I know, you're looking down like, what, what? Read chapter 3 and you just tell me what you think about chapter 3. I already put Dana on that, so she. but I did put the little marks in there so you can make sure you got his name right. You read chapter 3 and tell me if you don't want to skip it. Because if you started reading it, you will immediately notice that it is filled with long and unpronounceable names. They are total unknown characters in this story. And these people only appear once in the pages of all of history. But O.S. is convinced, though, that the third chapter of Nehemiah holds a real key to enabling the work of rebuilding to be completed. Because it is here that we discover the real secret to Nehemiah's success. And I invite you to follow along with the version event and to be able to see all the sermon notes and the things that are there as well. You see, here we see what enabled the work of rebuilding while the rubble and ruin had lain dormant for decades. And what do we find hidden in all these forgotten names in chapter 3? It's the art of delegation. Say delegation. Delegation. It's a word that is hard for some of us to, to really understand. But Nehemiah was the master of it. Nehemiah is able to let go without letting up. And that is today's step three. And that is the essence of delegation. Nehemiah knew he couldn't do this task alone. So after getting off to a new start and building a team spirit, he began to delegate tasks to others. He let go of the ownership of the project's details, but he never let up on his passion to see it through and to hold others accountable to the tasks. No matter what we may be attempting to rebuild in and around our lives, learning to delegate is the key to success. And Nehemiah learned these principles from the Torah and the great delegators like Moses himself who demonstrated the necessity of delegating and put it into practice. We're going to explore Moses' story this week during our daily devotionals. And then Jesus himself was the master delegator. He didn't personally feed all those 5,000 people plus on the mountainside. What did he do? He had them sit down into groups 
Then he multiplied the loaves and the fishes and gave them to the twelve disciples to distribute. Rebuilders who do not discover the principle of delegation, learning to let go without letting up, will never be all that they were meant to be. Many people start out with big dreams of rebuilding. They never see their wall completed because they never discover how to delegate. And OS says, quite honestly, a lot of us confuse delegate with dictate. Dictators lead by barking orders and striving to keep everyone under their thumb, always insisting on their way or the highway. These are the leaders who not only can't let go, but they also can't let up. Then there are those who think to delegate means to abdicate, that they assign a task, but then they not only let go, they also let up. And they have no passion to follow up and hold others accountable. Abdicators are also usually pretty quick to transfer blame for failure over to fellow workers who they gave the task. So how did Nehemiah let go without letting up? How was he so successful? Such a huge task. How did he accomplish it in such a short period of time? OS says that Nehemiah left us an example by laying out five important principles that are important to the delegation process. And I want you to think about those of you here for Feed the Need who have been at Feed the Need before, whether indoors, outdoors, whatever. I want you to, to think about all of these principles and how they apply and why Feed the Need is so successful. Because it applies all these principles. These are the five things. Set clear objectives with specific tasks. Pick the right person for the right job. Be an example yourself. Hold others accountable. And be generous in giving genuine pats on the back. So let us walk through those five things. Nehemiah was facing an uphill and awesome task. Jerusalem had been lying in ruins for decades, and there's no time to dictate and bark orders, nor was it the time to abdicate and leave the work for someone else to finish later. It was time to delegate, to let go without letting up. And Nehemiah clearly knew, as we've seen, his objective from the very beginning. He was laser-focused on rebuilding that wall. And those burned down gates. He shared his vision with people in chapter 2. Now in chapter 3, he's assigning them specific tasks as they go forth. Some were to repair and hang the gates. Others were assigned specific sections of the wall. So Nehemiah first set clear objectives with specific tasks. Just say the first part of that. Set clear objectives. Say that with me. Set clear objectives. And each worker knew exactly where they were supposed to be along the wall. What was to be done? What was to be expected of each of them? It was all clearly laid out before they ever went to do their task. A lot of times we do things and we don't tell folks 
what they're supposed to do. We just send them out there to do something, but we don't ever tell them or we say, hey, show up for a work day at the church and then we don't have anything there for you to do or tell you how to do it or lay out things. Be the need, that's never an issue. We're always telling each other what it is we're supposed to be doing, what our expectations are of each other. And so, for example, in verse 15, a whole bunch of names once again, and Shalom, Kyle Hosea's son, a ruler of the Mizpah district, repaired the spring gate. He rebuilt and covered it and set up its door, bolts, and bars. He also built the wall of the pool of Shaliah of the king's garden. This is laid out in every verse. There were more than two miles of broken walls to be repaired. And so Nehemiah divided the wall into 40 segments and delegated the work to dozens of leaders. That's how he finished the wall in less than two months. And there are phrases we find that recur over and over again in chapter 3. Nehemiah, 19 times we read, next to him or after him. Next to him. After him. Next to him. After him. And all along the wall, next to each other and after each other, was a fellow worker with a specific task. What we begin to see is a unity within a tapestry of diversity working together all in one accord to do one thing. And setting clear objectives with specific tasks is the primary piece of the delegation process. Too many have tried to delegate a task to someone else without doing this, and it never works. Whatever you are in need of rebuilding in your life, you have to know your objective. And what are the tasks you have to do yourself? And what are the things you need to delegate? Because sometimes in rebuilding things in our lives, there are certain things we need to complete, there are certain things we need to let go. But be willing to let go, but don't be willing to let up. Second, picking the right person for the right job. I think we've done that. We're excited about that. It was, it was amazing how the Scripture lines up with what goes on in the life of the church. At Feed the Need, people get picked for the right jobs. I see it all the time. They find their niche, their place, their bread, their cans, their produce. They, they find, you know, Debbie figured out how to do everything differently without being inside registration. She walked to every car around the entire building and did registration that way. That's her niche. Like, this is my job. It's what I do. I'm registration. What am I going to do now? She figured it out. She found a way. She knew her objective. She knew her task. And she found a new way to do that objective and that task. She was willing to let go of what happened before, but she wasn't willing to let up on getting the task done. And so picking the right person for the right job is an essential element in the art of delegation. A lot of walls have never been rebuilt because the leader has picked the wrong person for the right job or the right person for the wrong job. You hear what I'm saying? It works both ways. For example, Nehemiah knew how to pick the right people for the right job. We find him placing people along the wall 
near their own homes. Verse 21, After them, Benjamin and Hussab made repairs opposite their house. And after them, Azariah and Masaiah, sons and Ananias, grandson, repaired beside their house. Then we also read verse 8, From the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each one opposite to his own home. See, Nehemiah was smart enough to know that if he assigned workers close to their home, to where their heart was, they would take more ownership in the project and more of a personal interest in making sure the details of their work would last. And they would be a bit more motivated to see it to completion. And another advantage is no one had to commute, which would cost them precious time and lost productivity. And where the parts of the wall were where no one lived, he would station workers from other nearby towns like Tekoa and Jericho. And some had the task of removing all the rubble. Others were busy cutting stones. Some stacked debris to the side, while others laid stones in place along the wall. There was a specific job, specific place, for every person to use their own personal gifts and abilities. That is the success of Feed the Need. Everyone has something that they can do. From moving cardboard to unpacking to bagging to talking to people to being in the parking areas, there's something for everybody to do. No matter who shows up, no matter who they are, there is something for everyone to do to build that wall. And you might think the priests would bow out of the rebuilding work in light of their own many temple duties, but they took their place along the way. Why? Because it's where He placed them. You see, when you're placed in an area of your giftedness, when you're able to use your sweet spot, as you might say in a sport, and be able to do something exactly how you're aligned by God to do, you thrive. You succeed. And that's what he did, because then Elisha, the high priest, set to work with his fellow priests and built the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its door. Their job was to repair the sheep gate. And that gate would have been of utmost importance to them since it was the very gate through which all the people came through to bring their sacrifice to the temple. You see, they were invested in that gate. And Nehemiah made sure everyone had a job. Look at the groups listed here. There were goldsmiths who typically spent their days working with intricate, tiny details, and yet they had a place in laying the stones. There were men who came from Tekoa and Jericho, almost 20 miles away, to do their part. Go ahead, Davis. You're not going to find it in the script. It's on the screen, but not on my, in my words. That way I can save time. As you go through rebuilding whatever your wall is, remember that God is the ultimate rebuilder in somewhere along your wall. God has assigned you a task and a place. Amen? Somewhere along the, your wall, God has assigned you a task and a place. You are the right person for the right job and whatever it is that you are trying to rebuild. And God will guide you to the right place if you'll just get ready. Third, be an example yourself. With leaders, 
Wise leaders know they will never get people to follow their lead to the rebuilding process unless they lead an example themselves. There's something else interesting to see in Nehemiah 3. Maybe it's something you didn't catch during the whole course of that. You know what it is? Nehemiah never lists himself as one of the workers and what part of the wall that he worked on to rebuild. He doesn't do that. He, he mentions an exhaustive list of leaders, but he never mentions himself. The Nehemiah in there is not him. That's why it has next to him who it is. But he was truly a hands-on leader as he got his hands dirty, sweating and working as diligently as any of them. We know this because if we cheat and we jump ahead to what he said in Nehemiah 4.21, he says, So we continued the work, we continued the work, with half of them holding spears from dawn till dusk. It's going to get dicey for Nehemiah next chapter. And as we were doing Feed the Need on Saturday, a flock of geese flew over. And there's a lot to be learned from a flock of Canada geese. They're not Canadian, they're Canada. And what that leadership lesson is about why they fly in a V. And we're going to talk about that this week during our daily devotionals too, if you don't know it or don't remember it. Leading by example is found throughout the Bible. But maybe one of the most powerful leadership moments comes from Gideon in Judges 7.17 as he's about to take his pared-down fighting force out to face the massive Midianite army against insurmountable odds, he thought. And Gideon turned to his men and gave a final word. Do as I do. Do as I do. People generally end up doing what the leader does. One of OS's mentors told him, never ask your people to do something you are not willing to do yourself. It's a phrase that lots of leaders live by every day. Don't be willing to ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. You work together. Rebuilding is an impossible task unless the leader leads a personal example and carries out their assigned duties. When I go to feed the need at first, it was all about the first part of it, setting it up seven years ago and going through it and being like this over it and trying to figure it all out. You know what I do now? I just show up and go to my station and do my thing and take pictures. That's what I do. I walk around, look at people, go back and do my thing. Somebody else is in charge of unloading the truck. Somebody else is in charge of making sure everything's set the way it's supposed to be set up. Someone else is in charge of registration. Someone's in charge of making sure everybody knows where the items go on the table and what needs to go in a bag. And I go sit back and go to my place and do my thing. That's my part. That's my role. Nehemiah was wise enough to know he would never be able to motivate his troops unless he was down in the trenches with them. I don't leave until it's over. For any event that we do, I don't say, Well, the event's over, so I gotta go, gotta go home. I'm one of the last people out of the building, even when I'm dead tired, the same way everybody else is. It's how it works. You stay together as a team, you take care of it. Fourth, hold people accountable. This is a hard one. Accountability is a hard word, people. Nehemiah knew those who worked next to and whom and where each of them worked. And he knew who did the work and he also knew who didn't the work. And just like it is today, you can expect some folks along that wall were not pulling their weight and they were not rebuilding the wall like they were supposed to. And he made sure to tell the world for all time who didn't. 
Verse 5, Next to them the people from Tekoa made repairs, but their officials wouldn't help with the work of their supervisors. He also took note of those who went above the call of duty too. And he recorded in verse 27, After them, the people of Tekoa repaired another section. Apparently the Tekoans were the rock stars of rebuilding because they're mentioned all the time. And holding others accountable is essential for anyone who expects to succeed in the art of delegation. There will always be those who start out in the rebuilding process but do not finish their particular tasks. It was true in Nehemiah's time, and it's true in our day as well. After taking notice of the neglect by some, Nehemiah simply moved forward the task ahead. He moved with those willing to move, and he just moved ahead. He stayed on track, remained optimistic in the rebuilding task. He did not allow those who faltered and floundered all the way to discourage him. In your rebuilding task, don't let those who don't pull through and support you cause you not to rebuild. Keep going forward without being discouraged. Continue to push forward. You see, many of us never succeed in rebuilding because the word accountability is lost to us. It is a four-letter word to some people. Accountability. It's in the heart of many marriage failures. It is the reason relationships are broken and never healed. The reason projects fall and fail and why the church is not fruitful. It happens to volunteers in church all the time. I hear this mostly from staff and from others, but mostly staff, and they say, well, they're volunteers. We can't, ask, we can't really tell them to do something. Really? Because I think that when you volunteer for something, no matter whether it's in church or anywhere else, and there's expectations of what you're supposed to do, like show up for the time you're supposed to be there, that maybe the church should be as important as something else we volunteer for in our life. So yes, all of us and the things that we volunteer for should be accountable to one another for our part to be a part of the team. If someone on the praise team had worked all week to do something and they had practiced and that part was vitally important and all of a sudden that person on Sunday morning decided, like, you know, I just don't think I feel like going today. And Dad said, you know, I, you know I'm in staff, but, you know, I, I don't feel good today. I mean, you know, or a volunteer said, yeah, I just don't think so. You know, Sean just said, you know, I just don't feel like it today. So there's no drummer. It doesn't work that way. Or if you're in children's ministry or youth ministry or, or doing something at a part of one of our events, eh, I'm just not going to show up today. I'm not going to bother to tell you either, probably, but I'm just not going to show up. Being a volunteer is as important as being staff. There's accountability at level for all of us in what we do, in our work, everywhere. I mean, rebuilders let go, but they don't let up. They let go, but they don't let up. They hold people around them accountable. Accountability is a part of everyday life. We see it mostly in our place of work or in our school. Most of us don't just show up on Monday whenever we want to at work. Yeah, I'm just going to come in when I want to on Monday. I'm just going to do whatever it is. Brittany said, you know, she said, I'm, I'm going to go little lambs whenever I want to on Monday. I'm just not going to come in early. I, I don't feel like getting up that early anymore. I'm really tired of that. Or some of us are going to say, you know, I'm only going to work 10 hours this week. I, 
I think 10 hours is good. I, you know, I think some of our teachers are like, you know what? School is really hard now. It's doubly hard than it was before to teach. I think I'm only going to work half the classes, and then I'm just going to leave and go home. We don't do that. And whether we're accountable for goals or deadlines or school assignments, you know, I can't, hand, can't go to me and say, you know, I think I only do half my work this week. You only do half your work this week, okay? Let's see how that goes for you. Only do half of it. Let me know how it goes for you at the end of the week. Tests, grades, athletics. Accountability is really important there right now. If they don't stay together and stop staying out of places they're not supposed to be and stop doing something they're not supposed to do, they're not going to play any games. Their accountability level is high in order to pull this off. Accountability is a huge part of everything that we do, even like right now. Wearing masks, being together, doing our part, that's all a part of accountability to one another. And last, as Nehemiah took careful note of what the workers were doing along the wall, and we find him going up and down the wall, patting his fellow workers on the back with words of affirmation. We see it over and over because he keeps writing it. He recognized certain individuals who repaired another section. That's all those crazy long names that no one wants to read. They're all people he's thanking. Haram's son and Hassab and Merimuth and Benjamin. That one's actually normal. He took note of not only where they worked, but what they had accomplished. And then he wrote it down for all time in history so that we would be writing it and, and, and seeing it 2,000 500 years later, remembering all those who went the second mile. No matter how big or small complete the task, he completed them on a particular task. He, he talked to them. I'm, I'm thinking about, you don't know this in this first service because it happened in second service last week, but this brick was handed to me, not thrown at me, by the Van Burens, and the Van Burens wanted to give me this brick, and now it says the Van Burens are rebuilding. And, and we talked about it, and Kathy had a great idea, which is that every one of the families, as we each begin to return to the church, what if we put our names on each on a brick like this, the same one, actually, the same kind, and actually built a cross out of it or built a wall for the first part and built our wall back and begin to come back? I thought, this is an amazing idea. Once again, from somebody else. I never even thought about that, but they thought about it as they brought that brick back in these moments of time. For example, Nehemiah had a group of men and women who worked together to rebuild 1,500 feet of the broken wall. If you have a hard time imagining that, it's five football fields that they rebuilt. Five football fields. Right next to them, there was a lone individual at work on the refuse gate who single-handedly repaired it on his own. And interestingly, Nehemiah singled out another man named Baruch. And Baruch, after him, Baruch, Zabiah's son, thoroughly repaired another section. Nehemiah noted that Baruch carefully repaired his section of the wall. Maybe we can imagine that as Nehemiah lifts Baruch's name up, that he stopped by that section of the wall. He kneeled down and said, A great job, said, Thank you so much. And he made note of him. 2,500 years later that right now you're reading him in a page long ago and remembering the name of Baruch. That's pretty amazing. 
And there's no greater motivation for those to whom a task has been delegated than to hear a word of genuine affirmation and encouragement from their leader or leaders. Unfortunately, we're living in a day, OS says, of depersonalization, nonverbal communication. With the advent of texts and emails and social media, along with our separation during this time of alone together, we simply don't talk to one another as much anymore. I saw folks yesterday and last Sunday night I haven't seen in six months up close and personal. I bet you did too. And Nehemiah shows us the power of taking personal interest in the individuals on our teams, in our home, in our office, or in our church. Nehemiah treated his coworkers with respect. He knew them. He called them by name. We all have the need to feel valued. And now we are halfway through the rebuilding process. And it's time for all of us to find our own place along our own wall. Begin to do the job that no one else can do as well as you can. There is an assigned task and a special place for each of us along our own wall in our rebuilding process, both here in ourselves and also in our church. Jesus Christ has built His church in the same way for 2,000 plus years. He delegates. He has clear objectives, specific tasks for us that He has laid out, and each of us has an assigned place in His body in which he, in, in, in what He is building. Or in our case, what we are trying to rebuild. He may let go, but He'll never let up. He tries to hold us accountable. And He will never leave us or forsake you. It's time to return. Return to whatever it is you're working on. Return to the church, whatever. And it's time to rebuild. So let us continue to rebuild the wall that needs to be rebuilt in our life. Amen. And so as we gather together and we consider the words of Psalm 91 once again to kind of center us and every week as things continue to change, let's hear these words again to our hearts. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the virus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. Pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, and my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuse, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust in you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. And everybody said together, Amen. Now let us just soak in the music of It Is Well. Think about the words that we've talked about today and how it is that we rebuild the wall in our own lives by letting go but not letting up.
So, Lord Jesus, you said to your disciples, I'm with you always. Be with me today as I offer myself to you. Hear my prayer for others and for myself. And keep me in your care. And we mentioned this last week, and somebody wanted to hear it again. This is the prayer from St. Patrick's Breastplate. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. My friend, as we gather today, both here and at home, we are not strangers to one another. Let us reach out to one another, love one another in the midst of our separation and allow us to know the love of God and to share the love of God with others around us in all that we say and all that we do. Go forth, do no harm, be safe, stay well. Till we meet again, we miss you. Amen.